0: Welcome to Aging Gracefully Through Physical Therapy, the podcast dedicated to helping older adults maintain their mobility, strength, and overall health through physical therapy. I am your host, Dr. Magdalene Tornick. I have a clinical doctorate degree in physical therapy obtained from the Massachusetts General Hospital Institute of Health Professions, which is located in beautiful, historic Boston, Massachusetts. And I have over 15 years of clinical experience across all settings treating adults in the acute stage of recovery all the way through to advanced training for sport and work-specific activities. I also have a private practice in the beautiful Seacoast region of New Hampshire. Before we get started, please keep in mind that the information provided in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified healthcare provider before starting any exercise program. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard in this podcast. The makers of the podcast hereby disclaim any and all liability to any party for any damages arising directly or indirectly from any use of the content. As a physical therapist, especially as a physical therapist working primarily with older adults, most of the referrals I receive are to work with a client who has either had a history of falls or who have not had a fall yet, but is very unsteady on their feet and their doctor was concerned that they were at risk for falls. So in today, which is the third episode of my Balance and Fall Risk series, I am going to talk about how we determine what somebody's individual fall risk is. And not only that, I'm going to teach you how you can determine if you are at risk for falls right in the comfort of your own home. So, whenever I get a client who comes to me for the first time with one of these generic prescriptions from their doctor that says, please assess for balance and fall risk, I always start the conversation by asking them if they know why their doctor referred them to physical therapy in the first place. Sometimes people remember that they fell, some people only remember that they fell if they hurt themselves. And some people will walk into the clinic with an extremely unsteady gait pattern, meaning the way that they walk is very unsteady, and they haven't yet fallen, and therefore they don't feel like there is anything wrong with their balance, and they have no idea why they were referred to me. Some people tell me that they have had some falls, but they aren't concerned about it because they think that falling is just another normal part of the aging process. Yikes. Do you remember in episode one when I told you over and over again that falling is not normal behavior no matter what the age? Boy, these folks are are a little harder to get through, but we have ways of getting through to them too. Now, there is a fifth and final category of people I'm just going to briefly mention, and those are the folks who proactively sought out physical therapy because they were concerned about their balance. Those are the rare ones, however. They're also the easiest ones to work with because they have that insight and that self-awareness that their balance is not great, and they're being proactive in learning how to lessen their fall risk. Now, I don't want to say that those are my favorite people to work with because technically I'm not supposed to have favorites, but I will admit that working with people who are motivated to do their home exercise program and put in the work to get the benefits out of it, that's a really enjoyable and rewarding part of my job. So I'm just going to leave that there and move on. And so how exactly do we assess if somebody is at risk for falls, especially if they have not yet had a fall, particularly an injury-related fall? And before I go any further, I want to clarify that in my practice, my definition of what constitutes a fall might be a little bit different from yours. Most people tend to think of a fall only as an incident that causes them to hit the ground. And even worse, there are some people who might fall to the ground, but don't consider it to be a, quote, true fall because they did not actually get hurt. However, I consider a fall to be any unintended contact with a surface. And that surface doesn't necessarily have to be the floor. For example, let's say you are walking into the bathroom in the middle of the night and you lose your balance and you stumble, but instead of falling to the floor, you fall onto the vanity and remain upright. Or let's say you're walking through the living room and your foot gets caught on the edge of an area rug and you stumble forward, but instead of falling to the floor, maybe you just happen to take an ungraceful descent onto the sofa. Well, Technically, both of those are falls because you were not intending to hit the vanity, nor were you intending to unexpectedly find yourself on the sofa. And if the vanity and the sofa was not there, you would have fallen to the ground. So what I'm looking at when I assess fall risk is to see if your own natural reflexes kick in with a loss of balance in a timely and efficient manner to prevent you from actually contacting a surface you did not intend to or falling to the floor. We all have the potential to trip over objects or even just trip over our own feet, but those balance reflexes are what keep us from hitting the ground. So I want you to think about that for a minute. And I want you to think, and honestly, tell yourself how many times you have almost fallen, but maybe you were stopped by a piece of furniture or a wall or a countertop, or maybe you were with somebody who grabbed you to keep you from falling. Technically, if those things were not there, then there's a pretty good chance that you would have actually fallen to the ground. So depending on what your definition of a fall risk is will impact whether or not you perceive yourself as being at risk for falls. So clearly we need something objective, right? We need to bridge that gap between what my definition of a fall is and your definition is other than me just saying so. And thankfully, there are some excellent fall risk assessment tools out there that are backed by years of research, and today I'm going to share one of those with you. It's a very simple assessment tool that I use with just about every single client that I have, and I'm going to teach you how you can do it yourself within the comfort of your own home. Now, that assessment is called the Timed Up and Go. In PT lingo, we call it the TUG for short. T for timed, U for up, and G for go. It's really easy to administer because you don't need any specialized equipment and you really don't need any training other than the instructions that I'm going to give you. What the tug assesses is basically how long it takes someone to stand up from a chair, walk a short distance, turn around, come back to that chair, and sit down in it. Sounds pretty simple, right? And you're probably wondering how that can actually assess your fall risk. Well, here's what we do know about falls. After compiling decades of data from medical records, hospital records, we now know that 60% of all falls occur in the home. And most of those falls are occurring when we're doing really simple things around the house, such as standing up from a chair or walking a short distance or turning around in place or backing up into a chair or sitting in a chair. The number of falls that are attributed to risky behaviors in the home, such as climbing up on a step ladder or climbing up a regular ladder maybe to clean out your gutters outside the home, those incidents are actually quite small in the grand scheme of things. 60% of all falls happen when we're doing nondescript, everyday, ordinary activities within our home. So therefore, the most effective and accurate assessment tools need to be ones that take a look at our general day-to-day household tasks and break them down into their individual components and go from there. So... Now you're probably thinking, okay, how do we know that the amount of time it takes for somebody to complete the timed up and go accurately represents their fall risk? And I would answer that that's an excellent question. And here's how we know that. Whenever we look at any assessment tool, we want to look at certain properties to determine how accurate and reliable it is. And one of those properties that we look at is how consistent are those results if that assessment is being performed among a lot of different people. And what we know about the timed up and go is that it has extremely high reliability among all people that do it. So what that means in real life is if I use my stopwatch to time a client doing the timed up and go and every other PT in the clinic is using their stopwatch to time that same client doing the timed up and go, we should all pretty much get the same result. Perhaps we might be off from each other by one-tenth of a second, depending on how quickly our our thumb taps the stopwatch button, but that tenth of a second is not a clinically significant difference. Next, what we do is we compare the results of this tool to other data. And for falls, we're looking at hospitalization records. We're looking at self-reported incidents of falling. And we're also looking at scores that people get on other standardized, standardized assessments that are proven to be reliable indicators of falls. In physical therapy, the two gold standards that we have are the Berg Balance Assessment, which assesses static balance, and we also have the Dynamic Gait Index. And that is an assessment tool that takes a look at our balance while we're walking under various conditions. Now, by doing all of this, we have learned that this quick and simple assessment tool is surprisingly accurate at predicting falls. It's so reliable, in fact, that we can even narrow down the scores based on a person's age, diagnosis, and even gender. So I'm going to give you just a few statistics on what is considered a normal score on the timed up and go. The average score by decade for non-fallers, and non-fallers are considered people with a normal or very low fall risk based on the fact that they have not had any falls, and their scores on the other two assessment tools I mentioned indicate that they are not at risk for falls. So the average score by decade for non-fallers on the timed up and go are as follows. If you are in your 60s, the average score to complete the assessment is 7.7 seconds. If you're in your 70s, the average score is 7.9 seconds. If you're in your 80s, the average score goes up a little bit to 11 seconds. And if you're in your 90s, the average score is 14.7 seconds. The data unfortunately stops at age 101, so please don't ask me for any data beyond that age because I simply don't have it. And I do want to mention that if uh, if somebody uses a cane or a walker, that tends to increase the time it takes them to complete the test just because it takes a few extra seconds to manage the device. So we do have normal scores for non-fallers that do use a cane or a walker. Um, I only have the data for folks in their 80s and 90s, which is 19.9 seconds so keep in mind the scores are an average which means that some folks will score slightly faster and some folks will score slightly slower but in general the number that i gave you pretty much stands the test of time now there are also score cutoffs for different diagnoses within those age ranges and we have scores for various diagnoses such as stroke parkinson's disease spinal cord injury arthritis, brain injury, vestibular disorders, frail elderly, which are considered people in the 80s or 90s who have a lot of other medical conditions going on. There are also scores for Alzheimer's disease. And we even have separate data for community dwelling older adults, which are people who are living in their own home versus people who live in residential facilities, which would include assisted living facilities and nursing homes. I do want to mention that the reliability is not as strong when you're assessing somebody that has Alzheimer's or another type of dementia because they might have difficulty following instructions. uh, They might forget halfway through the assessment what they're supposed to do. But otherwise, across the board for other diagnoses, the scores are pretty much right on the money. Now, research shows us that for adults aged 65 and older, a score of greater than 12 seconds indicates that you are at a risk for falls. Scores between 12 and 20 seconds indicate a fall risk is present, but that fall risk is pretty low and highly treatable with balance exercises and intervention. Scores between 20 and 30 seconds represents a moderate or medium fall risk. And so what that means functionally is that the person being assessed will probably benefit from having a little bit more supervision, especially in situations where they're more likely to fall, whether that's uh, in the bathroom when they're getting in and out of the shower and the floor is wet, or they're walking on an uneven surface or in tight spaces maybe they need some environmental modifications that can improve their safety and they may also benefit from using a cane or a walker now scores over 30 seconds absolutely represents a very high fall risk so if my client has a score that high but has not yet fallen then unfortunately i know it's inevitable that they will have a fall in fact i would be willing to bet that person probably has had some falls but maybe doesn't remember them maybe they didn't hit the ground or maybe they did hit the ground but they were able to get themselves up independently and didn't get hurt so that is the age group and the fall risk category that i that i like to focus on in my practice now as i mentioned this is not the only fall risk tool that i use And my comprehensive assessment will include many other things, such as looking at their balance through the other two tests I mentioned, looking at muscle strength, looking at flexibility, looking at reflexes, looking at muscle tone, and many other things. But it is a quick and reliable screen, and based on how somebody scores, that will determine what I do next and how I develop my plan of care for them. Okay, so now that you know what the tug is and why we do it, it's time to learn how we do it. And here's how. To perform the timed up and go, all you need is a standard wooden chair that sits about 17 to 18 inches high. The chair shouldn't swivel, nor should it have wheels. So you need a chair, you need a stopwatch, and the stopwatch on your phone is perfectly fine, and a piece of tape. What you're going to do is place that chair in the middle of the room. Well, it doesn't have to be in the middle of the room, but it shouldn't be braced against a wall or another piece of furniture. It should be freestanding because you want to see when that person goes to stand up, if they're somehow pushing back with their legs on the chair so that as they're standing, that chair starts to slide back and create some space between them and the furniture so that if they do lose their balance during the process of attempting to stand they might not end up back on the chair they 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 might have created a gap big enough to cause them to fall down on the floor so sometimes that's where i end the test not when they hit the floor but if i notice that they are starting to uh, push that chair back and it's starting to look very unsafe I will just abort the test right then and there and go on to other assessments. So what you're going to do then, you're going to measure a distance from the edge of the seat and you're going to measure a distance of 10 feet and you're going to place a line of tape on the floor 10 feet away. If you don't have tape or you don't want to use tape, it's okay to use another object, maybe a a book or a box of tissues that's 10 feet away, but you need to have something 10 feet away that is a visual cue to the person you're assessing so that they know when it's time to turn around and walk back to the chair. You're going to tell the person you're assessing to sit in the chair and you're going to tell them that you're about to say, ready, set, go. And when they hear the word go, they're to stand up walk to the line on the floor at their normal pace, turn around, walk back to the chair and sit down. And that's it. It's always a good idea to explain to them what they're going to do before they do it. And if they normally use a cane or a walker, then absolutely they should use that cane or walker during this assessment. So you're gonna place the chair in the room, you're going to sit them in the chair, You're going to say, ready, set, go. When they hear the word go, they should begin to stand up. Now you're going to see them lean forward as they prepare to stand up. As soon as they start leaning forward, that's when you start timing. And as soon as they sit back down in that chair, that's when you stop timing. Everybody gets a practice run. And then they're going to do two more runs for real. And the average score of those two real runs is what you're looking at when you're assessing their fall risk. Now, obviously, we're not just looking at time. We're also looking at the quality of the movement. Um, one of the things I mentioned earlier, what's going on when they're attempting to stand up from the chair, um, how safe are they when they're walking, how steady are they on their feet, Um, So observation goes a long way, but really we can use the test score as a pretty good and reliable indicator at what their fall risk is. So you can turn this into a really fun party game if you like. And next time you have people over, just do the timed up and go game. In fact, it's really even more fun if you do this among all different age groups because you're going to see the young people do all sorts of goofy things, and then you're going to see people in their middle ages try to keep up with the young people, and it and it's a lot of laughs, and it's a really fun game. So, hey, I encourage you at your July 4th barbecue to play the timed Up and Go game and let me know how it goes. Now, obviously, we know that this is not the only thing that impacts balance. But as I mentioned earlier, it is extremely reliable based on the comparisons between the data we already know that can impact fall risk. So go ahead, check it out, see how you do, see how your family members do. And if you are interested in learning more about what the scores are for another diagnosis, I only gave you the scores for people in the normal, you know, non-faller category. Um I didn't want to bog down this content with too many statistics that would be boring. So If you have somebody in your family that has Parkinson's disease, or maybe there's somebody you know that had a stroke a couple of years ago, if you're interested in knowing what a normal score should be for that person, just send me an email at, uh, sorry, seacoastpt at protonmail.com, and I'll send you whatever information you're looking for. Now, of course, I'm going to recommend that if you or somebody you love has a score that is considered within that fall risk range, that you should consult a physical therapist for a further assessment that goes a little bit more in depth into your balance. Because as I've mentioned in previous episodes, there are many, many reasons why balance might not be great. We're all individual. We are all unique. We all come from a different background, different set of circumstances, and different medical histories that impact our fall risk. So I hope that you've been enjoying the little mini series on balance and fall risk. Next week will be the final episode in the series. And in that episode, you're not going to want to miss it because that's where we get to the fun stuff where I'm going to actually give you some balance exercises that you can start doing safely within the comfort of your own home without any need for any specialized equipment. And these exercises are guaranteed to improve your balance. So you're not going to want to miss it. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already so that you're notified when the episode drops. And if you feel like anything you've heard has been helpful to you, and you know somebody, you have someone in your life, you're concerned about their balance, and you think maybe they would enjoy the content, please, I would be so grateful if you just shared this podcast with them. It's available pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Pandora, Stitcher, Apple. It's all there. So go ahead and share the knowledge. And I thank you for listening I want you to have a great week. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be happy. And I want you, of course, to age gracefully.